opened me a mind to serve you. Lord, I praise you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you for victory today, O oh God, over sin. Thank you for the power of your spirit. Hallelujah. I've got something to thank God for. Amen. Praise God. I don't understand the people that say they serve God and can't give God a praise. Amen. God has been too good. I don't know about you, but I know what he's done for me. He's kept me. He's brought me out. The life that I live today, I live it only because of what God has done in my life. And I can't help but give him a praise when I think on the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. My soul cries out, hallelujah. I thank God for saving me. I don't mind giving God a praise. Hallelujah. He is worthy of all the praise that we can give him and much more. Can you clap your hands to Jesus today? Hallelujah. God has been so good. And I know he's been good to you. Amen. Maybe you don't believe it, but God has been good to you. Amen. Praise God. I'm so glad for what God is doing. I'm glad to be here in the house of God today. I'm just thankful that God knows what we have need of. When we don't know ourselves, God knows what we have need of. Amen? Well, y'all can be quiet if you want to, but we're going to go on anyhow in the things of God. Amen? Praise God. I was hoping we had some believers in here, but even if we don't, I believe. I'm confident that God is able and God is a good God and he's going to continue to do great things for those who continue to lift him up. Amen. Praise God. So it's up to you what you do. But God is still God and he's going to continue to do what he does. So glad for it. Glad to see everyone in the house of God. Our pastor's not able to be here with us today because he's away. And while he is enjoying his time of rest, he is still working. Reaching out to souls for the kingdom. I wonder if heaven would be silent when we all have gone to the other side. Sometimes we can be so sophisticated and so sedate. We can come before God if we're not careful and in complete arrogance. Thinking that God is being done a favor by us being present, but not giving him what he deserves. God, you're lucky if I show up. Much less open up my mouth and give you a little bit of praise. But I tell you what, from what I gather from the scriptures, it's not going to be silent. It's not going to be a quiet time. It's going to be a time of rejoicing. There's going to be singing. There's going to be shouting. There's going to be a whole lot of joyful noise glorifying the name of God. But do you know that what you do here is in practice for what you're going to do on the other side? And if you can't give God a praise now, then I don't know if you'll be able to give him a praise then. So you might as well just open up your mouth and just shout hallelujah and give God a praise. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Y'all can do better than that. Can you shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on. God is worthy of the praise. How can we sit quiet before a God that we serve? He's been so good to us. 
can you think about the things? This is not to pump you up. God didn't put me here to pump you up, but just to remind you of his goodness and his power. I'm telling you right now, I'm a living testimony of what God can do with a person that's really not deserving of the blessings of God. I'm telling you right now, the things that I used to be in the life that I used to live, the things that I used to be bound by, it's only by God's power. It's only by God's grace and his mercy that I'm able to stand here victoriously over sin today. And I thank God for that. Amen. Praise God. It is because of him, and I give him all the glory, the honor, and the praise. I'm not ashamed to worship the Lord. Amen. I'm not ashamed to praise his name. So don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to lift up your hands and give God the glory and the praise that he's due. Amen. I'm not telling you to do cartwheels, but sometimes sometimes in your life if you really believe what you say you believe it should be something welling up inside of you burning just just something that comes out you, you, nobody even knows why but you just shout out hallelujah out of nowhere and somebody say well what's wrong with them god has been good to me you don't understand what he's done in my life you don't know like i know the song says what he's done for me amen but i'm so glad so glad amen praise god for each and every one that's here Glad to see Sister Angela here again with us today. Amen. And seeing her being able to move out and about. Such a blessing. God bless you. I don't know your name, ma'am, but God bless you for being here. All of our guests and visitors that are here today. And uh, so glad to have the DeMuths here with us today. And they are transitioning, so keep them in your prayers that God will continue to open up doors and grant them favor uh, during that transition so just glad to see everyone here in the house of god you could have chosen to be anywhere else in your bed those of you who was in sunday school tomorrow, morning what sometimes right but thanks be to god that he gave us the mind to be here in the house of god amen praise god malachi chapter three i won't be before you long than what God has me to keep you. We're going to go to Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 12. And I hope that by this word I can encourage you. And inspire you to continue to go forth in the things of God. Malachi chapter 3. Beginning with verse 8. When you have it, say amen. This is what he tells us in the scripture. He says, will a man rob God? Actually, let me see. I thought I may be starting earlier. Will a man rob God? We'll begin with verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? The answer is in tithes and offerings. 
You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the, he- the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. And I just want to talk to you for a moment. If I could put a topic on it, I'd just put, your blessing is waiting on you. Your blessing is waiting on you. Father, we ask that you would continue to touch the hearts of your people today, O God. We pray, O God, that you would anoint us to speak your word freely, O God. We pray, O God, that you would liberate your people today, Lord. Touch in this atmosphere. Let your word flow freely and enter into our hearts. Lord Jesus, let the good seed of your word be planted in our hearts, O God, that it may bring forth fruits as pleasing unto you. And we pray these things, O God, all to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now y'all going to have to work with me and preach with me and and say something so that I know that you get it. Amen. I just want to know that you're being encouraged. Some 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 reason, I just feel like there's some folks that might just have some issues right now today. But we're, I just want you to understand that no matter what you're dealing with and what you're going through, the answer is already settled in God. Amen? It's already worked out in the mind and in the will of the Lord. Will a man rob God? I'm not talking to you today about money necessarily. But when we talk about tithing and offerings, while, yes, there are tangible things that you can give, I want to focus on a different perspective of tithes and offerings. You see, when you are offering something to somebody, it's not necessarily just something that's tangible. But sometimes when you're offering, it may just be something of your time, offering your time, or giving a percentage of your time and your energy. And when we talk about giving tithes and offering to God, some folks may already made up in their minds, well, I don't have much to give. But I want you to understand that with every breath in your body, God has already given you something to present to Him. The Bible lets us know that everything that has breath is given the right to praise the Lord according to what the Word of God tells us. Amen? And so if you can't give in monetary value, you can still give a praise to the Lord. That's why it's so important to open up your mouth. You've got to understand that the enemy knows that if you begin to open up your mouth and actually give God the praise from your lips and from your heart, there's some things that are invoked because you are giving God what He deserves. You're giving Him your best and your first. Things begin to happen. God is going to begin to pour something out on your life because you're pouring into what God is trying to do in you. Amen? And so it's not just about monetary or tangible things, but it's about giving who you are to God. Amen? 
Sometimes we got to put some things in perspective in our lives. Sometimes we hold back on God because of what we feel like we can't bring to God. I want you to understand, I don't care if it's just the smallest thing. When you begin to give God your all and give God your best, God will bless. Amen? It's already established in His Word. But you've got to be willing to give what you have and what you're working, what He's given you to work with. Amen? If you have life, that is enough. To give God the glory. If you have life. You understand that it's not the dead things that God gets the glory out of. Amen. That's why the sacrifices of bulls and lambs was not enough. That's why it wasn't enough to use them to atone for the sins of man. But God had to use something living. And so he used a living man to to give a sacrifice. And guess what? He's not dead. He's not in the grave. But he's still living today. And because of his resurrection, we still have power over sin and the grave and hell today. Because of the power of his spirit, he's still operating. And you can have that too in your life. Amen. If you don't have the Holy Ghost and you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, I just want to encourage you right now to make that decision in your mind, to to gravitate towards that, to embrace what God has given you. It's called the plan of salvation. God has put that in place because he has something better for you. But you've got to be able to embrace it. You've got to be willing to embrace what God has provided for you. Amen. Through that plan of salvation, talking about repentance and being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not just about using titles, but it's about using that name. Because there's none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Amen. It is Jesus Christ that was on that cross. It wasn't a bunch of titles that was hanging on that cross, but it was Jesus Christ. Amen. God in the flesh who was hanging on that cross gave his life, buried in the tomb, but on the third day rose with all power in his hands and is sent forth his spirit so that we can have his spirit and have that power in this world and in this life today. Amen. That's what he wants. That's what he desires for us. Everybody wants to be blessed. Everybody wants to benefit from living for God. They want the benefits. Amen. I don't think there's anybody in their right mind that wants something bad to happen to them. We all want good things to happen to us. Amen. That's natural. That's to be expected. And understand that a blessing is something that is good that you can't do for yourself. Y'all with me? It is a good thing that you cannot do for yourself. So if a blessing is something that I can't do for myself, that means I'm depending on someone else or something else to bless me. Amen? I'm looking to benefit from something else or somewhere else. It's got to come from somewhere else. I want you to understand this. A lot of times we're going through situations in our life and sometimes we conclude for some reason that God is having trouble bringing our promises to pass. He's having trouble giving us the blessings that he has for us. Somewhere along the line he's trying to figure out just this little one niche to to bring it all together so that he can present it to us. But I'm here to tell you right now that God is not trying to figure it out. God already has it worked out. But the question is, are you positioned to receive what God has for you? Amen? Abraham was a man of faith. 
God gave him a promise. He says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. But when he made the promise, according to carnal knowledge, it was illogical to say that when he had no children. Here's a man, and not only did he not have any children, but he was past the age where it was normal. Y'all hear me? Normal. I didn't say it was impossible. It's still happening today. But where it was normal, it was abnormal for older folks to have children. Can you imagine being 70, 80 years old and now you have, you've been, you're, you're pregnant? Ladies, I know you're probably like, well. All of these years they were waiting. God made a promise that he was going to bless them and make Abraham a father of many nations. This was before conception of any seed. After a while, Sarah and Abraham, they looked, you know, Sarah laughed because she said, well, I, I just don't see how this is going to happen. Like Sister Parker says, she said, say that for somebody else. I don't see that happening. I'm past the age of doing that. I'm just too old for that. Sometimes I laugh when I read about the Lord's response to Sarah. She's in the tent and she laughs and the Lord says, why did your wife laugh? And she says, I didn't laugh. And I don't understand how this really factors into the English language, but I guess what it was saying, he said, no, but you did laugh. I don't, I didn't get that part, but you said no, but you did laugh. Don't you think that God can do these things? Do you think it's impossible for God to do this? Sarah had some doubts in her mind. But watch what happened over, over a course of time. Guess what Sarah did? She goes to her husband and says, you know what? It's been a little while since we've gotten that promise. Maybe it's meant for you to have a child through my handmaiden. Let me give you my, my handmaiden. You and Hagar, you know, you get married and, and, and then we'll raise this child up as if it was our own. This is the promised child. In essence, they were trying to help God with the promise that he gave them. But who did he make the promise to? It wasn't Hagar. The promise was made to Abraham and Sarah. You know, just because God gives you a promise doesn't mean you have the right to dictate when God should bring it to pass. Some of the reasons why we're not blessed is because we're too busy trying to do God's job. We're trying to help him out. But God doesn't need our help. And every time we make an effort to try to help God in blessing us, we mess up the situation even worse than what it was. Much of the combat that we, that we see, the, the battles that we see today, are a direct result of what happened way back when. Once that child was born, Ishmael, the Bible lets us know that there was one moment where the, the handmaid was in the, uh, in the woods or wherever she was. And God met her out there, the angel met her out there and says, you know what, don't worry, they're going to be blessed too. They're going to multiply. But all the nations are going to hate them. They're going to be hated by every nation. 
Their hand is going to be against every nation, and every nation's hand is going to be against them. What you see today is still a result of what has happened way back when, because somebody thought it was okay to try to help God out. If God's going to bless you, you've got to be willing to wait. You know, it's okay to have faith, but your faith has to be aligned with God's timing. Did you know the Bible says that there's a time to every purpose? God's timing is what's important. Sometimes we look at it and we think we need it right now. You know, there is a such thing as now faith, but sometimes there's some faith that you got to wait. Amen. The Bible says in your patience, possess ye your souls. Amen. Sometimes you just got to be willing to wait and keep the faith. Sometimes God is allowing your faith to be tried so it can be developed and built. But the other thing that God does with us sometimes is, is cause us to wait so that we can value what God is trying to bring to pass in our lives. You know, if God gave us everything we wanted right away, some of us wouldn't even serve him like we should. God, I want this car. I want this house. Usually it's the tangible stuff. Not God, I want more wisdom. I want more peace, God. I want, you know, more power against the things of this world. God, I want more insight. Lord, what it is it? I want more holiness. That's not a common prayer amongst everybody. There's a few just praying those type of prayers. But give me the big house. Give me the fancy car. Give me the things that's going to make me look prosperous and successful. I was telling my son the other day, I said, you know, it'd be a shame. You have someone, you have some folks who are pursuing after the concept of success. So much so that they are compromising who they are to achieve it. But then what's sad about it is when it's time for them to leave, they can't take none of it with them. And they've lost out on all the opportunities that they passed up trying to get what they thought success was. And then to take it a step further, now they're gone. And God turns around and blesses the person that has been praying and on their knees and seeking the face of God, sacrificing for the things of God. And God just, what a waste. Because I'm paying too much attention to the world. I'm not willing to wait on what God has for me. I'm looking at my situation. I'm looking at my circumstance. And I'm so involved with the way things appear that I'm not looking at the one that has the answer for me. The one that's going to work it out. He's the solution. Every problem, every situation that we're going through, it's not because God is trying to figure out our lives. It's not like we're chess piece and we're just trying to figure out what's the next move is going, what the next move is going to be. That's not how it works. Did you know that God created you for a purpose? I like to say God created you for a purpose, on purpose, with purpose. That means your purpose preceded your existence. When you come into existence, you're walking in the purpose that God has for you. 
Well, in that purpose, there are some things that God has already established and set in place for you to receive as you continue to walk in the will that he has for your life. But your faith has to align with his timing. You know, I look at David. David is one of the perfect examples to me about timing. Here it is, a young boy, and he gets anointed to be king. That's great. Now, you take somebody that just ain't got no wisdom and ain't willing to wait. The first thing they do is cause upheaval. Now they're rebelling against the king, trying to get him out of, the, out of the seat so that they can reign. But it wasn't David's time to reign yet. When he was anointed king, it wasn't his time to rise and sit on the throne yet. And David, had a, he was okay with that. He was willing to wait. He acknowledged and he reverenced the man of God that was still, even though he, the Spirit of God left him, he still reverenced the fact that somebody else was in that position. And so until God removes them, I'm not going to touch that man. That's who God set in place. I wish we had that same attitude in the house of God sometimes. We come in the house of God and we're looking at people and we're saying, well, you know what, I could do a better job or I got a calling on my life. Yes, but just because you have a calling on your life doesn't mean that's when God wants you to move. Sometimes you move too early and you still mess up the ministry that God had for you. You got to be willing to wait and align your faith with God's timing. People want to go out and start ministries, and they're starting a mess. Once they go out and they start all these ministries, they have nothing else to stand on because they move too hastily. They didn't seek the face of God to see when I should do this. You know, I tell my wife, you know, I'm still in the military right now. A lot of folks ask me, says, hey. What you going to do next? You're coming up on retirement. And, I, you know, I say, yeah, if it was up to me, I retire. A lot of people don't understand that. But for me, it's a matter of, God, what is it that you want me to do? It's not about my timing. It's not about what I want. God, where do you want me to be? Lord, I'm not requesting assignment for anything. God, wherever you want me to be, I want you to orchestrate everything. See, to me, that's complete trust. Do you know, as a child, because the Bible talks about childlike faith, right? When you truly trust God, you're going to give him your all. That means every situation, every circumstance, the very condition of your life. You're going to give it to him. And you're going to trust him with it. And whatever he decides to do, whenever he decides to do it, you'll be okay with it. That's when you know your faith is really being developed. When you're sitting and you're worrying and you're fretting about the, the condition of your life, you say, I gave it to God, but what's ultimately happening is you come before the altar and the man of God or the word comes forth and God touches your heart or you're at home and God begins to deal with you. You come in, you give it to him, you cast your cares upon him, you give him your issues and your situations, but after a while what happens after you pray, you pick those same things up and you walk away. Now you're still carrying the load because you didn't let it go. You didn't give it to God completely. See, God wants to bless. But before he can bless, we've got to position ourselves to receive his blessings. What did he tell the folks? He says, first you've got to bring the tithes 
and the offerings into the house of God. You know what that correlates to me? Whether it's money or whether it's just me being positioned in the will of God, first thing I have to do is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto me. If I'm looking for God to bless, i got to position myself in the things of God to receive what he has for me. Notice what he said. He says, I will pour, prove me. See if it's not true. I will pour out a blessing that you will have. You will not have room enough to receive. He says, I'm going to pour it out. You know what that indicates to me? He's already got it. It's already there. It already exists. That's why he can say, this is a God that's not just making blank check promises. Checks that can't be cashed. He's, he's telling you, he says, listen, ask and you shall receive. I can tell you, ask, Sister Bell. Whatever it is you have need, ask. You need a new truck, ask. But I can't guarantee you're going to receive it from me. So you come and ask me because I told you you could ask. You don't see that truck, what you going to end up doing? You're going to start doubting. You're going to start questioning. Now he's making all these promises and he's not keeping them. How many times do we make broken promises to God? Yes, Lord, I'm going to fast today. I'm going to go ahead and get rid of all the distractions and devote this time to you. Message comes up on Facebook. Now I done got, I'm still communicating. Two hours done gone by. And I'm in this conversation because something came up on Facebook. Or I got a text. For those of you that don't use Facebook, I don't use Facebook. I got a text or I got a call. Somebody needs something. Now all of a sudden I'm distracted and I can't give this time to God that I was already going to devote to God. Are y'all with me? Y'all understand where I'm coming from? We want God's blessings, but we got to position ourselves to receive those blessings. If God is leading us to it, we got to be willing to walk in it. And we got to be willing to wait. The other thing that we got to do is make sure that our will aligns with God's purpose. Sometimes you want things the way you want it. You know, there is, there is a difference a lot of times in what, between what we want and what we need. God doesn't grant us everything that we want. In fact, he didn't even promise us that he would grant us everything we want. The Bible says, my God shall supply all your, according to what? I'm so glad he didn't say according to my riches. He said according to his riches and glory, he's going to supply your need. So we want to take that promise. But what did he say? He says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll do what? Now, here's the deal. Here's where it happens. This is where we talk about your will aligning with his purpose. 
See, what you will to do changes based upon what you're focused on. If I'm focused on the Lord, then everything I will to do is going to be aimed to please Him. Amen? So then that means that what I'm asking for, what I desire, is still in line with what's going to please Him. But now if my will is based upon myself, what I want to do, what I'm going to do, let me talk about the will then. My will is I'm going to stay home and not go to church because I just don't feel like it. Now, there are legitimate reasons why people are out of church. So I'm not casting stones at nobody. But I am telling the truth. Some folks just don't go just because they don't feel like going. It ain't because they sit. It's just because they, de- they decided in their mind, I'm not going to go to them. Because I don't feel like it's important enough to go. But then these same folks are looking for God to bring them out of problematic situations. Isn't it, isn't it interesting how we approach God sometimes? How we try to hold God accountable to His Word. You said, Lord, you said, ask and it shall be given. I also said, present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto who? I also said, come out from among them and be ye separate. I also told you not, not to touch the unclean thing. I also told you to be holy in your conversation. I also told you to make sure you think on the things that are honest, that are true, that are lovely, that are of a good report. I told you that whatever you do in word or deed, you do it unto the name of the Lord. I told you to let your mind, your, your, your thinking be transformed. I told you to love unconditionally. But if you're not willing to do those things, then you're not really willing to receive the benefits that I have for you. Now listen. To me, this was this is one of those things, you know, that God just showed me for my life a while ago. We complicate the situation sometimes in our life for no reason. Guess what? The enemy loves that. He feeds off of that. That's where deception comes in. Oh, I don't know how this is going to work out. I really don't know how I'm going to come out of this situation. It just don't look good. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get to this place, or I'm trying to, I, I, I need to get a home. You know, I need, I need a job. I need whatever it is. And I can worry myself to death because I don't have what I think I should have. But as a child of God, don't you think God already has it worked out? Whatever it is that you need in life, it's there. It's already done. It's not that God is trying to construct your blessing and put it together. 
Your blessing is waiting on you. The question is, what's taking you so long? Why are you not positioned to receive it? In order to be positioned to receive the blessings of God, you've got to be consistent in the things that you do. That's one of the greatest barriers to spiritual warfare in spiritual warfare from, from victory is inconsistency. I'm not just talking about the outward things. You see me in church every Sunday, that's great. And you call me faithful because I come. You call me faithful because I give monetary value, I give tithes and offers, and you see these things come through. But what about the condition of my heart? What about the things that I practice in my home? Faithfulness is not just about attendance. Faithfulness goes beyond that. It's your everyday life. Do you know that that's really what worship is? Sometimes we, we put worship in a box and we take it out on Sunday. Let's worship the Lord. Yep, I'm going to get my worship in now. The rest of this week, I'm not reading my word. I'm not studying anything. Why should I study, Sister Bell? I'm not preaching. Why should I read it? Pastor's going to tell me everything I need to know anyway. He's going to send out the morning manna, so I mean, I'm going to get it one way or the other. And at the worst, I can go online and get it from somebody. Now we got podcasts. I'm good now. Sister Parker going to save the, save the file, and I'm good. I don't have to worry about coming out and making, making that effort. And I may not listen to the whole thing, but I'll listen just to a few things. When I don't like it, that's when I'm going to shut it off. Oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. That's why some folks don't come to church. Because it's easier to shut it off when you're not in the atmosphere. Listen, can I tell the truth? Why is it that we want to enjoy the benefits? The benefits are there. God has them. But we're not willing to do the things that God says to do. How can we deem people uh, faithful when God is looking at folks and saying, I don't even know you? You know what a faithful person will do? When somebody asks them how they're doing, they'll say, I'm blessed. They'll say, I'm doing good. All is well. Not to put on a facade, but because I believe that God already has it worked out, I'm not worried about it. All is well. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm just trying to tell you where my faith lies. I know in God's timing, this has made all things beautiful in his. Last time I checked the word of God told me that all things work together for the good to them that what? And are to what? Whose purpose? Y'all putting this together? His timing and his purpose. 
is what's important, but we got to be willing to wait. And while we're waiting, waiting does not just mean sit there and don't do nothing. Waiting don't mean just sit there like a lump on a log and don't give God the glory and the praise in the midst of your situation. Waiting doesn't mean don't glorify God for victory even though you don't have it right now. It hasn't manifested. Waiting doesn't mean I'll give you praise, Lord. I'll glorify you. I'll pray to you once these things are done. Lord, when you answer my when you answer the request that I had from yesterday, then I'll be careful to give your name to praise. I I used to I used to hear people pray that prayer. And I used to say, Well, we gotta be careful now. We're bargaining with God. We have no room to bargain with God. We owe him all the praise, the honor, and the glory. We owe him those times of prayer. When we getting up in the morning, it's a sacrifice, yeah. It may be a challenge physically, but we owe him that time. There's a whole lot more we should be doing, but God really doesn't require all of that from us all of the time. But when he wakes us up and he moves upon our heart to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, to call upon the name of the Lord, we owe that to him. I found in my life, I, 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 I figured this out. It took me a long time. I'm not that old, I know. But it took me a long time. For me, it was a long time. That if I wanted to have victory in my life, in my situations and circumstances, I was going to have to work towards victory. Do you know that victory is not just won by you just haphazardly just show up and say, Hi, I'm ready to fight today. No practice. No preparations whatsoever. Before you go to combat as a soldier, you got to do some training. And I don't care if you received that training before, you're going to get that training again. Sometimes God needs to work on our hearts about the same things over and over again until we get the message and we become proficient in what it is that he's trying to develop us in. Some of us, God continue to work on us about our tongue. Because the things that we're speaking, you may not be speaking profanity, but if you're going around and you're talking all kinds of ungodly conversation, or maybe you're just talking about your brothers and sisters, maybe you got something negative to say about the service of God. I don't know what it is. I don't care what it is. If you're not using that tongue to the glory and honor of God, God is trying to get you to change. He says your conversation needs to be holy. Some of us, God is trying to work on us about what we watch. Got to guard them eyes. You know you receive information five, one of five ways, or all five ways, really. They call them the five senses. Hearing, taste, touch, smell, and what? Sight. Do you think it's... Just a coincidence that the Bible says that where there's no vision, the people perish. Let me tell you like this. Where there's a wrong vision, the people still perish. If the things that I am consumed with is not glorifying God, I'm watching all kinds of ungodly things. You know, it amazes me. As a child of God, that we can watch anything that has at least one word of profanity in it. 
and we'll say it's not that bad. Come on, y'all looking at me like this is real petty, but it's this is what causes the issues. This is what contributes. We don't receive the blessings of God sometimes because we're not positioned properly to receive them. Okay. All right. Since that's foreign. Because not everybody watches TV or watches movies. I got it. So everybody's sanctified. But maybe it's the music that we listen to. Maybe it's the friends that we partner up with. Those who we call friends. I tell my children all the time, I said, you better be, be careful who you call a friend because the friend of the world is an enemy to God. There's a lot of people I associate with. I don't hate nobody. When I go to work, I work around people and I get along with them. They know who I am. They know where I stand and I know where they are and where they stand. I don't engage in certain conversations. I don't get involved with certain things. If somebody's trying to do something, I don't got nothing to do with that. Because I'm going to try to do everything the right way. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much we have in common. You may like the same football team that I like. You may enjoy some of the things that I you know, enjoy. You may be a musician. In my time, I've come across a lot of people, they find out, oh, you play, the, you play the keyboard, you play drums? Okay, that's great. Maybe we should jam someday. Maybe not. Because the spirit you operating under, the spirit I'm operating under is going to clash. Somebody got to win. Last time I checked, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But before we can come together and fellowship in music, come let us sit down and talk about. I'm serious about that. But these are things that are necessary for positioning ourselves in the things of God. Sometimes we get too attached to things in life. Sometimes God is just trying to remove some things from our lives. To bring us to the point where we receive what he has for us. If we're not careful, we're, we're convinced that the things that we have is more valuable than what God is trying to give us. Sometimes it's relationships. I've got family that, that lives in Texas and I've said it before and I'll say it again. I love my family. My sister, she claims to live a homosexual lifestyle. I love my sister. But she knows where I stand, and I will tell her the truth. She knows it. I've got another sister. She is radical. She calls herself radical for Christ. But the thing she's saying is off the wall. And when I talk to her, I tell her that they know already. My brother thinks he's from you know, from from the Middle East or something. You didn't claim to be a Muslim. You can call yourself Tupac Shakur, Shabazz, Shabazz, or whatever you want to call yourself. But the word of God is true. 
I sat in his living room. He tried to convince me about how what he believed was was right. I said, well, look, the word of God is the only sure thing. All this other stuff that you're talking about, it really doesn't matter. There's only one truth, and that is the word of God. That's it. I don't have time to debate with anybody about the word of God. I found out not God did not call me to defend the word. The word is supposed to be my defense against the enemy. Amen. You know what debates do? Well, I ain't going to go there, but I'll tell you like this. It's hard to convince somebody of something if they're not willing to receive it. That's why folks can come into the house of God and walk out in the same condition because they came in with the mindset that they were not going to receive what God had for them in the first place. All these folks going to this debate, they already have their minds made up about what they believe. Now, it's necessary to talk about it. When you get the opportunity to talk about it, don't shy away from it. But for me, I ain't got time to debate it. Oh, I'm convinced. I'm confident about what the word of God says, and I'm confident that it's truth. Amen. I live it, whether you live it or not, whether you receive it or not. I love you. I'll pray for you, but I'm going on in the things of God. That's what I believe. You know why I believe it, though? Because I've watched God move in my life. Sometimes, sometimes God is saying, wait. But sometimes it's us getting in the way of our own blessings. I watched how God worked in my life and even in my family. There were times, you know, my wife and I, I just, this is not, this is our testimony, but it's not really my testimony. Part of it is hers, just hers. But I will share with you, when we were at two, it was just, actually it was just my son at the time. He was born, and I'll tell you, I grew up in church. I knew what was right. I expected to, pro- to progress, and I expected to be successful, but I didn't give myself to the things of God. I was going to church, but I wasn't really listening. I wasn't praying. I wasn't reading my word. Not throughout the week. The things I'm telling you, this is stuff that I lived. This is the way I used to think. I'm not going up there to preach. I'll study when it's time for me to preach. And I watched as my life was crumbling. It was just my son at the time. Me and my wife and my son. The family was being divided. There were some things, I, I mean, even the thoughts that I was having. The things I was involved in, I started going and it just, I didn't even drink beer, but I was going and drank, you know, buying beer, cases of beer to go drink, drinking alcohol and doing all kinds of other stuff that I knew was wrong. At night, I found it hard to sleep because in my mind I was being tormented. And I would watch devilish stuff. Stuff that as a child of God would normally disturb. I was watching this stuff. Everybody heard of movies like Saw, Blade, Freddy Krueger, and all of the Friday the 13th and all that other stuff? Horror movies designed to show graphic horror and violence 
and confusion. I was so disturbed. There was no peace for me. It would get so bad that at, there would be a certain time at night that I would show up to my wife's door. It, well, this was our house, but I wasn't living there at the time. And I would show up there in tears because I had lost control. I didn't want to be in the state that I was in, but I wasn't positioning myself to come out of the state I was in. And, I'd be, and I couldn't even express what I was feeling to her. All I could do is just be there in tears. And she thought it was a game and I was just playing a game. But most of the time I was just in a state where it was just like, this is crazy. It's not right. But I've lost control. And I would love to tell you that when I went back to church or when I just walked back in the house of God and kneeled at that altar and said, God... I want to get right. At this time, my family was gone. My, my wife had gone, taken, taken our son and gone back to Japan with her mom and dad. And I'm sitting there and, you know, I'm just distraught. Because I allowed myself to get in that position. And I remember kneeling before God and saying, God, whether I get my family back or not, I just need you to change me. But I would love to be able to tell you that that was all it took and it was just all good from there. I had some challenges after that. See, once you become exposed to something, it's hard. You've got to have some real power and you've got to stay in that power in order to overcome those things. You want to be victorious, you've got to stay in it. What you practice is what's going to push you forward and propel you. My wife, she caught, she get, she decided after a while, she decided to come back. You know, we talked for a little bit, and I was going to church and so on and so forth, and things seemed like they was going on the right path. And she came back, and lo and behold, she ended up, you know, getting a blood clot in her leg. And so now this was a medical concern. We still had some challenges we were going through, but this time there was a medical concern that kept her from being able to leave. And she's sitting there with this medical condition. I'm sitting there with this spiritual condition. We just got some issues. My son, in the meantime, is in the balance. She becomes pregnant with my daughter, the second child. Now it just intensifies the complications. Everybody's worked up. I remember, and I, I can't tell you at what exact moment, but I remember at some point... I just started praying. I took the time to pray at home and just said, Lord, okay, look, I know I don't deserve to come before you and pray and ask you anything. But I'm calling upon you, God, because there's some real concerns and things need to change. And I remember there was a couple of times that she had the blood clot. It, it came to the point where she ended up having the baby. We're sitting in there in the delivery room and all of a sudden... They, they had the heartbeat of my daughter, and then they lost it. They couldn't get it. And I kid you not, as I'm standing there in this room, on the way there, I remember my wife asking me, she said, aren't you, aren't you worried? I know she was concerned. But at this point in time, I had begun to pray. And obviously, God began, was beginning to do some things in my life and bring me to a point where I'd never been. 
I'm sitting there in this delivery room, and I kid you not, as they start trying to, you know, position her so that they can get the heartbeat, the, dog, uh, the baby's heartbeat, and I'm sitting there the whole time. I couldn't do anything. Everybody's in there doing stuff, and I'm just watching. But the whole time I was just in this tranquil state. Now, mind you, I just told you how tormented I was before over different things that was going on in my life. But there was such a peace in my life at this point that I never had before. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I didn't, they rushed her and my daughter back to the emergency room. They didn't have time to prep me. I couldn't go beyond the double doors. I'm standing there just looking and wondering and waiting. And I'm saying, Lord, you know what's best. Next thing I know, I get, they, you know, I'm, it's what seemed like a long time. They roll this baby out, rolling past me. And I'm just like, man, okay, I'm just waiting for my child to come out. And I'm waiting for my wife to come out. A little bit later, nurse comes out and says, did you see your baby go by? I said, no, I seen some white baby go by, but that wasn't mine. <laughs> and they told me that was my child, and I said, oh, wow, okay. So I wanted to go see her, but I was still wondering what was going on with my wife. To hear the story, she would have to tell you the testimony, but here's the thing that got me. Her blood clot situation still was not resolved. And it caused, it still caused some challenges for us. And I remember, I remember the comments that was made and, you know, there was so many concerns and, you know, the concern, one of the concerns was her getting pregnant again and being in that condition and so on and so forth. And, and so it was just, uh, and I just remember there was a decision that was posed to me that I needed to make. That's what was said. It was a recommendation made to me. Well, you need to get some surgery done. Now, me, I'm the type of person where it's okay. If I'm going to live for God, I'm going to live for God. So, God, what is it that you want me to do? No answer. No answer. I just knew that God had the answer, but I just wasn't getting it. I was like, Lord, okay, what's the issue? Do I need to fast some more? Do I need to pray some more? What is it? And I remember the message, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Don't make a decision. Don't get caught up in what people are saying and how things look. You just stand still and watch what I'm going to do. Two years this went on. I cried out half the time. And I believe this. I believe it was necessary. I know, you know, at the sake of my wife as she was going through this. But two years, God was doing something, birthing something. And, mm, thank God. Birthing something in me, preparing me. And I'm so glad. This is one of those things that solidifies our relationship today. We know the things that we've been through. When I'm up here and I'm talking and I'm preaching and teaching, it's not because I'm trying to do a show and get, to, get you to be impressed with me. I'm not worried about if you're impressed with me. I know what God has done and I know what he's given me. Everything that I'm telling you, I believe it with all my heart. I just want to share with you. Because I believe you believe that too. And if you don't, you should. Two years went by going through this. Lord, should I make this decision or not? I mean, I got to the point where I was like, Lord, look, just tell me yes, I'll do it. Give me something. But wouldn't you know it? She had this condition for two years. I watched her use these needles to thin her blood and take... You know, all the recommendations that was made. Check this out. 
we're in Okinawa. This by this time now, we she we done traveled overseas. She still had this condition. We done traveled overseas and went to Japan. We're in Japan. All of a sudden, I'm 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 facing making a decision. Okay, do you want to start a service out here? Me? I'm not qualified to do that. But if there's a need, I'll do. I'll give it my best. So I took it on, and we did the best that we could with what we had. And I won't even. I won't even begin to tell you all of that. But I'll tell you that it was just me and my family. Most of the time, out there for three, almost four years, holding that service down. It was just me and my family in that same big theater. Sunday after Sunday. Thank God. God was doing something in my life, though. Here it is. We go to Okinawa to this conference, whatever special service it was at the time, and me and my wife were there, and I remember my wife coming to me, and she says, you know, she says she just made up in her mind that whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. For those of you that kind of follow what I'm talking about, you know, we were trying to avoid having children before. She says, you know what, we're not going to continue this one. And this is two years it was like this. You can imagine what kind of challenges it presented. But you know what? That night, something happened, something changed for her, something broke for us. Next thing you know, the doctor called and says, hey, the next morning, he says, we want to tell you, something changed with, with your blood. And we want to see you. We want to, we, we're, we're considering lowering your dosages that you were taking. And we want to see you. Oh, they wanted her to stop taking the medicine because they said her blood was perfect. We're still in Okinawa. They wanted to see her, though, and make sure that the thing was gone. And I told my wife, I remember telling my wife, I said, listen, let me tell you something. I said, I believe with all my heart that if God has healed you, and if you believe that God has healed you, we're going to walk upon that. I said, I believe when we go in here and they do this ultrasound, they won't even find a trace of what was there. Went in for the evaluation. My wife gets prepped and we're in the room praying. Now, mind you now, from where I was, God was doing something in my life. I'm just trying to tell you that God is able to change any situation. He's able to turn things around. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. It may seem hopeless, but God can turn it around. We went in that room, got prepped, and we prayed, and the, the, the technician came in, and he's using, he's looking, and he says, he says, you know, if I didn't know the, the situation from reading your stuff, I wouldn't have known that you ever had a blood clot. There's nothing there. Here we are. Even afterwards, the doctors try to convince her that she needed to stay on the medicine that they gave her. She had already decided she was not going to do it because she had put her trust in God. They were concerned about her being pregnant with other kids. But let me tell you something. That was just two, my son and my daughter. Here we are with four more afterwards. No complications. No difficulty and no medicine, and God is still blessing. 
they're all healthy, they're all... This is a testament to God. I'm not telling you I'm somebody great, but when you position yourself in the things of God to do the will of God, God is going to begin to bless. I thought about it this morning. I said, you know, I may not have a mansion. But I'm rich in the things of God. I was just thinking about the word that he gave me and the things that he shows me and how he deals with me. I said, I may not have the tangible things of this world, but I am rich in the things of God. I am truly blessed. Guess what? That's what God desires for us. That's what he desires for us. But we've got to be willing to position ourselves to receive. I joked with my wife the other day. We just kind of moved around furniture and situated stuff that we had. And, you know, yeah, the house is small. But take not looking at that part of it. We were just trying to figure out how to get the furniture to fit in there the right way and just, you know, kind of look, you know, still have some space. And I joked with her. I said, you know, the Lord did say he'll pour out a blessing that you won't have room enough to receive. God has it. It's not a question of whether or not God will do it. It's not a, what, a question of whether or not God will bless. The question is, are we going to miss his blessings because we're not properly positioned? Position yourself in the word of God. Begin to do. Somebody told me this years ago. If you want to find yourself being victorious over the challenges in your life, Start focusing on the victory that comes out of your life. Start looking at what the Word of God says about you and about God doing stuff for you, God working on your behalf. When you start looking and you start realizing, wait a minute, greater is he than when the enemy comes in like a flood, he'll lift up a standard. Delight thyself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Greater is he that is in me that is in the world. God did not give me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You start looking at the word of God and what the word of God says, and you start believing it, embracing it, and trusting God with every situation that you have, you're going to start to see things change. The first thing that's going to change is your perspective on the situation because what seemed big before is now going to be minimized because in the sight of God, nothing is greater than him. He is the greatest. Amen. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. That means he knows everything and he's all powerful. There's nothing that's greater than him. God can do it. And when our perspective changes, that's when God is magnified. It's not that we make him bigger than he already is. But in our perspective, we begin to see him as he is. And we trust him with what we can't do. Because a blessing is something good that you can't do for yourself. Amen? Can we stand today? The question is not about whether or not God has blessings for us. And don't limit God's blessings to just what's tangible because the things of this world is not going to last always. But consider what else God is trying to do. Sometimes God's chastisement is a blessing. Because he's trying to keep us from going a certain place 
or getting involved in certain things that may destroy us. God is a spirit. He's not like man that he's going to make empty promises. He's not going to turn his back on you. He's always there. The question is, what is your position? Are your eyes focused on him? Are you praying? You can tell a person that believes because they'll pray. So are you praying? Are you fasting? Are you seeking the face of God earnestly, diligently? The Bible says that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seeks him. There's too many promises in God's word. I mean, you look in the book. This, this book is not that big compared to some books that I've seen. But when you look at the promises and you look at the things that God has put in here, it's greater. The value of this book is greater than the book itself. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Don't try to help God out and, and make things happen in your timing. You don't even have to do that. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. So that means that as a child of God, he says what? Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For what? My yoke is easy and my... You can bear it. You can handle it. And I'm going to give you the power to endure every challenge that you go through. But no, weeping may endure for night. Joy comes in the morning time. Your situation may seem like it's lasting forever. It may seem like it's not changing. But don't you be discouraged. Don't you throw in the towel. Don't you quit. Don't you turn your back on God. Don't you try to do it yourself. Don't lose faith and hope and trust in God. Allow his timing to come to pass. In his time, he's going to bring it out. He's going to work it out for your good. In his time. I don't know what you have need of. I don't know what it is that you're looking for, for God to do what you've been already praying about. But whatever it is, somebody's heart is being touched. You know where you are. You know that you have been seeking for things to change, your situation to change. You've been asking God. I believe you've been praying. Now God is trying to show you. This is what I want you to do to advance to what I already have for you. One of the things you can do today to advance towards your blessing is to come and cast all your cares upon him. But when you come to this altar, don't just give him your cares and pour out your heart and then take all that stuff back. Hebrews 12 and 1 says... Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, he says, let us lay aside every weight. That weight means things that you shouldn't be carrying. That extra baggage that you shouldn't be holding on to. That's become your security. You just, you've become convinced that that's what you're supposed to carry for the rest of your life. But you're not supposed to carry it. He wants you to give it to him. 
He says, when you lay that weight aside and the sin that besets you, run. Run with patience. Finish the race. But you'll be able to run a whole lot faster if you let go of some of those things that's holding you back. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forth to those things which are before. I'm pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. He's the one that's going to bring it to pass. All I got to do is reach towards him. These altars are open. If you want to come before him, don't worry about anybody or what anybody has to say. Don't worry about what anybody has to think. This is you and God. You stepping out and coming to this altar is, is also an indication of you stepping out on faith. Are you willing to step out on faith and align your faith with God's timing? Are you willing to seek the face of God diligently for what it is that you have need of? Don't allow the enemy to deceive you and to keep you and to hold you back from what God has for you. Don't leave here and allow the enemy to rob you of the blessings that God has for you. It's already there. Position yourself and let God pour them out upon you. If you need the